today we're going to talk about the church in Thyatira. Okay, Thyatira. Thyatira, sorry. This is a horrible pronounce. I'm just one. But the pronunciation is kind of right there. Uh, this church is one I've titled Clinging to Sin. So you're going to see this church is kind of split. Uh, we don't know like how, how much, is it like a 50 50 split or 60 40 or whatnot. But basically, half the church is doing the right things and doing some really good things. The other half of the church is also doing some of those things, but they're clinging to this sin that we're going to see later on. So Jesus calls them out and says, hey, this other half of the church, if you guys don't repent and turn away from this, bad things are going to happen to you, and you're going to go down a really bad path. Um, and he also promises that he's going to, not only them, but their offspring and stuff as well. So we're going to get to all that and what that means. But this is in Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 through 29. So this concludes Revelation chapter 2. Um, right here, some fun facts. Thyatira, said it right that time, um, is a wealthy town. So this is a rich city. A little money mark here. I got the cha-ching. Uh, very, you know, wealthy, predominant kind of city. So these people are pretty good off. And um, Jesus starts off this chapter in Revelation chapter 2, 18 to 29, or this, this letter to the church. And he, he identifies himself very clearly to make sure this church knows that, hey, I'm the one saying this message to you. And it's kind of interesting because this is already the, the fourth church we've gone over. And Jesus is, is writing all these letters. Okay, we talked about that in week one. So it's kind of ironic that Jesus really makes an emphasis to show that I'm the one writing this letter to you guys um, when you know, he's been the one writing these all along. And I think there's partly there's a reason for that. I think Jesus knows that I have got to get this church's attention quickly because some of the people in this church are going down a really, really dark hole. And if they don't come out of this hole quickly, they're not going to come out of it at all, basically. And so Jesus, you'll see the language he uses in this in this part is very kind of bold, kind of more in your face, but in a still loving way. And I think, again, this calls these people um, are just oblivious to how bad that things have really gotten and how bad things are going to continue to get if they keep going into the sin. And so this is kind of like a wake-up call in this letter. It's a lot more bold, like, hey, pay attention. This is important. That makes sense? <clears throat> All right. So I'm going to read it off to you guys. I want you guys to pay attention to the two different groups of people in this church. Again, the group is doing things right, and the church is falling into this secret sin. Okay, and I also want you guys to pay attention to what kind of sins are they falling into. Because it's actually more than one. It's, it's really two main sins. Uh, so I'm going to read it off to you guys, starting in verse 18. <clears throat> and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write these things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. And Jesus is like, yeah, I'm coming out strong this time. Um, and he says, I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are even greater than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality, and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, 
and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death. So that's kind of funny. Her children with death. It's like, did you kill them? Kind of Just no way saying that. Anyway, um, Jesus says, I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. And the last part here says, Now to you I say, to the rest in fire tyro, fire tyro, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put him, I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and they shall be dashed to pieces like a pottery vessel. As I also received from my father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is pretty intense, okay? You got to catch the two different groups of people there. Jesus is talking to this one group and this other group here. Um, the first group, group number one, we'll put a, the G1s. The good ones. <laughs> they have four kind of main things. And I pointed out here that they're doing good. Number one is they love. Number two is uh, they have faith in God. That's important. Number yeah, three, they have patience. Patient endurance is what it says. Okay, patient endurance. And then they also have service. So, these are pretty important things if you look at this. If you think about a church and what the church should be, because again, if we get through all seven letters, we're trying to get to what is the church that God loves. And God says, this is great. Jesus is saying, this is awesome. You guys are doing a good job. I'm proud of you. Keep these things up. And he even says, your later works that God approves of, that he loves, he's proud of them for, and, and gets a thumbs up for. Now, what's interesting is group number two, he doesn't say, you guys aren't doing these things. Did you catch that? He doesn't say you aren't loving, you don't, you don't have faith, you don't have patient endurance, you don't have service. He basically tells them, I know you guys are doing some of these things too, and so that's great. But the difference is, you're also following judgment. Following the teachings of Jezebel. Anybody catch what thing Jezebel teaches? Yeah, idol worshiping was one of them. Uh, they were eating food sacrifices. And so they were idol worshippers. And the second one was sexual morality. So idol worshiping and sexual immorality. Now, why this is important is these are very common sins that people still fall into today. And these are probably the two most common things that destroy Today in America, the pastors that have affairs, pastors that come out and they're doing sexually immoral things with children and things like that. Those churches are destroyed, basically, because of that. Um, I mean, because, you know, you're putting all your faith in these things to people, 
spiritual leaders, and then when things like that come out, the world just destroys them. And I mean, you can't say that. I mean, unrightfully so. I mean, it makes sense why you do that. Uh, also, idol worshiping. We don't necessarily bow down to little tiny little statues or you know things that are made of like gold or something like that today. But when a church takes its eyes off Jesus and starts worshiping like just getting a lot of people in or starts worshiping the music instead of the person that created the music. So all they care about is having like a rock concert. All they care about is getting a lot of people in. Or the church just cares about reaching the young folks. And so they're not really teaching the truth anymore. They're just bringing people in. Um, again, those things can become idols very quickly. And we start worshiping money and material things than worshiping the creator that actually gave us those things. So again, these two things will destroy a church pretty much faster than anything else. So this is what Jezebel is teaching. So I wanted to go through today. Um, this group of people was entangled with sexual morality, likely in many aspects. They also made food sacrificed to idols, which was likely a form of idolatry to the gods at that time. Rather than rebuke this false teacher and send her out of the church, the believers in Thyatira decided to not only keep her in the church, but to also begin to follow her deception. And so what I want to think about here tonight is this, this concept. Think about this closely. Even if you're doing 99 things right, if you're clinging to that one sin that you just can't let go of, it will begin to ruin the other 99 things in your life. So, for instance, there's a lot of pastors that do these things well. They love people. They have faith in God. They're patient with those. They, they have lots of acts of service, but if they get involved in sexual morality, it will destroy the witness they built all this time. Because people aren't going to look at them and say, oh, that was a great pastor. And they say, oh, man, that, that's that church that had a pastor committed so-and-so or did so-and-so. So basically, when you fall into these kind of sins, it destroys your witness. It destroys all the other things you're doing that are, that are really good. So think about that. Even if you're doing 99 things right, when you're clinging to that secret sin, you just can't let that sin go. The longer you cling to it, the farther you go down that dark hole, the deeper it becomes, the more it ruins everything else that's good in your life. Uh, also, you think about this, when people fall into sexual morality today as pastors, it ruins their marriages, ruins their families, ruins the community. There's a lot of really bad things that can happen. Same thing with other worshiping. So, the side I'm going to talk about how do we rid ourselves of this? How do we rid ourselves? And I'll put secret sin in quotation marks because eventually it comes out. So how do we rid ourselves of secret sin so this doesn't happen to us? Number one, if you're taking notes or if you have your phones, you can write it down, is to recognize and expose false teaching quickly. To recognize and expose false teaching quickly. What I mean by that is this Jezebel was doing this for quite some time, teaching these, these really bad things. Had the church stepped up and confronted her and said, hey, look, you know, we don't believe that's right. The Bible says this is wrong, so we're not going to teach that here. We'd love to have you in the church still, but you can't be teaching that. Had they come to her and confronted her early, maybe all these people wouldn't have gone, gone to this path. 
some coals, they're like, yeah, you know what, you live your life, I'll live my life, it's whatever. She began to influence people. And so the thing is, when you see somebody in the church today that's doing things that are not right, teaching things that are anti-biblical, it's important to expose those quickly and do it in a loving way, showing patience and kindness and, and, and an act of service, but confront that person privately and say, hey, look, I know you're teaching this, but this is what the Bible says. Um, let me show you a better way. And now if that person refuses to turn away from that teaching, and they're trying to lead everybody else in the church astray, and that's a conversation to have, but we've got to boot that person out there. Because one bad apple will get us to rot the entire tree. And we have somebody in the church spreading rumors, spreading lies, teaching heresy, which is false doctrine, um, and you don't stop that, and they start getting one or two people on their side, it grows and grows and grows, and all of a sudden you have a fire tire situation, and your church is consumed in the sin. And so it's important to call them out quickly. Now, you can't call out false teaching if you don't know the truth. So that's why it's important that you guys read your Bibles. That's why it's important to study your Bibles. Because if you're trying to call out somebody for doing something they shouldn't do, or live in a way that, you know, opposing to God's will, you can't do that if you don't know what God's will really is. You can't do that if you don't know what God's word actually says. So that's why it's important to read your Bibles and to study. And also, if you hear a preacher say something on a Sunday morning, whether it's here at Regardo or another church, that's why it's also important to don't just take their word for it. Go back and look, look it up yourself. You know, if you hear something, you're like, hey, that's a great, that's a great message. That sounds awesome. Or you, or you hear something like, I don't know if that's fine or not. Instead of just taking his word for it, go back and study it for yourself. You know, do some research. Ask some trusted friends. Pray about it, most importantly, and ask God to reveal to you what the truth really is about that. Because that's the problem today with a lot of people, is there's a lot of churches out there teaching false doctrine and saying, well, the Bible says this, the Bible says this, and people are just like, oh, well, the Bible says that. Well, I guess we should accept gay marriage. Or I guess we should accept this or accept that. And they never take the time to actually read the Bible for themselves and say, what does the Bible want to say about gay marriage? Or what does the Bible want to say about this? So when you hear something questionable on a Sunday morning, instead of just taking the fact of the word for it, go back and study for yourself. Pray through it. Because you're not going to know how to defend the word of God unless you know the word of God. Also, I want you guys to think about this. If you know your church is preaching this false doctrine, if you as a pastor, you know, God forbid is preaching false doctrine, then again, we have to call it out quickly. And here's where I get that from. In Matthew chapter 18, this is Jesus' words here in Matthew, okay? He says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you want them over. Great job. So basically what Jesus is saying is, again, you have a Jezebel in the church, talk to her privately, do it in love, with patience and service, and with the, the right heart, and if she turns away from that sin, fantastic. Everything's good to go, you've done a great thing, and now she's living the right way as well, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I didn't say her, but obviously you can be him. Yeah, there's a lot of hymns to you. Hold gyro bells. Um, listen, <laughs> anyways, um, then it says, but if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Jesus is saying, hey, if Jezebel doesn't listen, or Jairville, then, um, okay. 
Um, and so listen though. So then it's saying that you take a few people with you and talk to them. Okay. And then it says that they if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the entire church. And they refuse to listen even to the entire church. Treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be lost in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. So Jesus says, hey, look, if she's not listening or he's not listening, break it from the entire church, and they still refuse to charge for their ways and say, hey, look, I'm sorry, you can't, you can't be with us, you can't partake in the things of the church until you repent that lifestyle. Because you being here, trying to lead everybody else astray, is countercultural to what we're trying to preach and teach here. Uh, we're trying to lead people into the truth. If you're leading people into uh, you know, heresy and false doctrine, and you're going against the entire mission of the church, and we can't have that. Um, secondly here to learn today is find people who have overcome the sin that you're clinging to, and then look to them for guidance. So think about this church here in Fire Tower. These men, and maybe even some women too, they got involved in the sexual sin. They could have easily went to somebody else in the church that was not involved in the sin, and, and they're like, hey, brother, look, I, I really messed up. I'm going down a bad path right now. Can you help me out of this? And I'm sure the church would have been more than happy because they had to act of service and love and patient endurance. I'm sure the church would be like, yeah, you know what? I, I know what you're doing is not right. I'm going to help you come out of this. You know, well, I want this with you. But there's no evidence that they did that. They just continued in the sin. And that's an important message in our lives today. When we start falling into sin... And everybody does. If you're struggling to get out of it, and you continuously do the same sin over and over and over, go to somebody that maybe is not involved in that sin, or that's overcame that sin in the past, and ask them to pray for you. Ask them to encourage you. Ask them to give you advice. Ask them to keep you accountable. Accountability and accountability partners is a very, very biblical concept. What I mean by that is you have somebody in your life, maybe is older, that you trust, whether it's a parent, a teacher, you know, somebody at church that you see, you look up to, ask that person to be an accountability partner for you. So that means that they check up on you every week or two and say, hey, Victoria, how are you doing this week and so-and-so? You know, how is, how is this going? You know, have, have you struggled this week? Are there things I can do to help you out with? What can I do to, to walk, this, walk this battle with you? And when you have that accountability partner, when you know somebody's checking in on you, you know somebody cares about you, you know somebody's trying to help you out of this sin, it's a lot easier to overcome that sin. When you have two or more people on your side pushing you with you, it's a lot easier to come out victorious in the battle than to just get stuck in the war. And then again, I also want you guys to think about this. <clears throat> Don't be too prideful to ask for help. If you really are struggling through something, like these people were, before you get to this point, where you destroy everything in your life, ask somebody for help. You know, if you don't have an accountability partner like I talked about, which would be a great thing to have, go to somebody you trust and say, hey, look, I'm in a bad place and I need a lot of help. And if a church is a good church, they're going to be more than willing to take you in with open arms and say, hey, you know what? We all mess up. I'm going to help you through this, brother. I'm going to help you through this, sister. You can come out of that stronger. 
Learn from those who have overcome the same sin as you are and are now on the other side of that. And the last thing I want you guys to think about tonight is this. This is an important one. <clears throat> about overcoming the secret sin. You have to ask yourself, do you want earthly pleasures or heavenly joy more? Do you rather, would you rather have earthly pleasures or heavenly joy? What I mean by that is these things that Jezebel was teaching, it brought the people some happiness for a moment, but the more they got involved in it, the more empty they began to feel. So they had to keep doing it more and more and more to try to get that same feeling they got the first time. And they realized that this is not fulfilling. You know, actually even more, it left me more empty than what I was in the beginning. But if you do things for God, and you, you ignore these things of the world, the things you do for God have an eternal impact. So you not only have blessings while you're here on earth, but like Jesus says in Revelation, when you get to heaven, you'll be rewarded for all eternity for those things. And that reward you get in heaven will be so much better than that temporary happiness you have here on earth. And you'll be very thankful that you chose this route instead of this route. In addition, uh, like I said, Jesus says he'll give them the morning star. Anybody know what that means? That's a very interesting concept. The last thing he says in Revelation is he says those that endure, that don't participate in this, and that continue walking in my, in my ways, I'll bless them with the morning star. I think I looked that one up as well. The morning star basically is Jesus himself. He's saying that if you do these things, and you walk in my ways, no matter what life throws at you, I'll walk through it with you. And my presence will be with you continually. So even though life may get challenging, and you're going to go through things in life that are hard, and I promise that's going to happen, he says that no matter what it throws at you, I'll give you a joy and a peace and a comfort that you're not going to get from the world. And my presence will be with, uh, with you not only in heaven, but also right here on earth. Uh, and, and basically, he'll bless the people through that. And, and, and so I want you guys to think about this as we conclude. We're going to kind of focus in on this. Sexual morality is more common, probably for you guys. And in some ways, I don't want people to do popular suicide songs and things like that in sports. Yes. Why is it said as sexual immorality if immorality is forever? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that's not the same thing. Yeah, immortality means, okay. right? In, in, I, so, immorality. No, yeah, you do, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Not, not, that's it's good. just T-Y, immorality. Immortality. Thank you, Pastor. Immortality. Thank you, Pastor. Okay. Thank you for doing things that are right and good, that are moral. This is immoral, like opposite of moral. Okay. That's a good thought. I want to read you guys off this. This is kind of funny. But, um, you might know a Cray in here. <coughs> yeah, Cray. <laughs> he's a lot better not than that. But um, anyway, um, he's, a, he's a Christian rapper, okay? He's really good, though. And um, he had a song that came out back in the day. I'll put it up here if you guys want to look at it. Is he that one that went to uh, the Youth Evangelism Conference? It's called Killa. Um, so this song... Was that the, was that the, 
that one guy that went to the youth ministry? Um, no, that was no? That was, um, oh, yeah. that was like, yeah, Tadashi and, um, Amy. Amy. Um, they're close, so they all kind of, they all work together a lot of stuff, which is, yeah. But, but Craig, uh, he's kind of in that same group, like, so they work together a lot of stuff. But he made this song several years ago named Killer. This song basically is directly tied into what's going on in this church. I don't think he wrote a song about the church, but it basically is tied to exactly what's going on in the church. So this song is about uh, men that get involved in sexual morality, although they know it's wrong, and they've been raised differently, and the dark tide that takes them in their life. And so I want to read you guys all some little lyrics of the song, just a, a short little part of the lyrics. If you want to go back and actually look up the whole song yourself, you can. But it's pretty deep. It makes you think about it. And it kind of puts Revelation chapter 2 into modern-day translation perspective on like how we're dealing with this today in our church still. Because these, these things we still deal with today in our church is what they did back in the day. So let me read it off to you. It says, this is how the song starts. He says, I know it's going to kill me, but I just can't let it go. And the taste so appealing has got a grip upon my soul. He says, these honey-dip lies mesmerize me. Pride's got its crooked fingers twisted all inside me. Fools walk the path alone, never to be seen again. Sipping on seduction while we eating on some secret sin. And then he says, and it says, um, no one will ever know, says the whisper in my ear. And I know I should be over this, but I ain't seeing clear. And I ain't leaving here unless somebody saved me. Walk into my grave, let evilness enslave me. Evil looks so lovely, covered in her lace of lies, and the silky screw seduction just manipulates my mind. Her fabrical fabrication is fueling my fascination, and while I'm intoxicated, she starts her assassination. I'm losing all my honor and my ear to the merciless, giving all my life away, but I'm so immersed in this. Um, so basically what he's saying is that I'm so involved with this sin, but even though I know it's wrong, I know it's killing my life, I'm still doing it. And so that's kind of what Jesus' warning is to this church of Revelation and to us today. Do not let it get to that point. And do not let it get to that point. Number one, don't get involved in it at all. But if you do get involved in it, turn away as quick as possible. Because the longer you stay in that sin, it's very difficult to get out of it. And this goes not just for sexual sin. This goes for like gambling. It goes for... Uh, you know, pornography, which can be involved in sexual morality. It also is involved in, like, alcohol. If you get involved in these sins, you do it repeatedly over and over and over, and you don't repent from it, it can be very difficult to come back out of it. And you get in a very dark hole. And, and eventually, like what Christ says here, you're giving all my life away, but I'm just so immersed in this, I just do it anyways, knowing it's going to ruin me. So I want you guys to think about to conclude here. The eternal joy you have in heaven from giving your life to Jesus will far outweigh any earthly pleasures for a moment. Jesus promises in this passage to even give you himself while on earth, and then we'll have a peace and fulfillment that only comes from him. If you wait until marriage and you do these things in the way that God has ordained them, I promise you guys will have a greater enjoyment and greater respect for the way God not only created things, but also ordained them to happen. And what, what, I, what I put here to kind of conclude is, when we use the things God created, out of the order he created for us to use them in, we miss out on how truly great his gifts are. And in fact, we actually end up hurting from these things rather than being blessed by them. See, things like sex and things like 
um, you know, enjoying our friends and, um, you know, even, even alcohol in a sense was created for a good purpose. But when we use it outside of the way that God intended for it to be used, or we abuse it and use it too much, then instead of getting the blessings from it that God intended, we end up afterwards with hurt, pain, regret, and the absolute opposite of God's blessings. So it's important that when you look at your life today, look at are you doing things that please God? And then the things you're doing, are you doing them in the order in the way that God wants you to do them? Because yes, sex and things like that aren't necessarily bad. I worship it all for years, but sex is not if you do it in the right context, in the way that God ordained it, in a marriage with your husband or wife alone. And so I want you guys to think about that as you go through relationships in your life. Are you doing the things that God ordered you to do? And are you doing them in the order that he's called you to do them now? So in summary, <clears throat> why is it so important to rid ourselves of these sinful lifestyles? And most important is because it doesn't please God, but it also leads to death. If not physically, it will lead to a spiritual death in your life. Even if you are a Christian, and you get involved in things like this and don't turn away from it, don't repent, it destroys the good, the good things in your life. And on Revelation 2, 22-23, says a kind of concluding part here, Jesus pronounces judgment on this Jezebel and calls the church and Thyatira to repent of their sin. He says, I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely. Unless they repent of her ways, I will also strike her children dead. So the encouragement tonight is if you are in the sin, if you're still living and breathing, there's still time for you to repent. And Jesus says, if you repent, then you're not going to go through the suffering others will go through. Yeah, you may, you may have scars, you may have regrets because of the things you've already done, but if you repent and turn to me, I'll still find a way to use those past mistakes for my glory in the future. I'll take the things you did wrong, and I'll be able to use those for you so you can witness to others in the future. And I'll still use you in a great purpose. So if you're still living and breathing, and you're hearing this message, what Jesus is saying, he says, repent and turn to me. And when you do, you'll be blessed once again. And all these things you're doing that are right, you'll find eternal purpose in those. Let me pray for us, and we conclude tonight. <clears throat> Lord, thank you so much just for this message of revelation. Showing us, God, that it's easy to get caught up in secret sin. It's easy to get caught up in, in sin so deep that it's hard to get out of. So God, I ask that if we are in that sin tonight, that we give it to you. We find accountability partners. We find somebody trust that we can come and talk to. And we just get the help we, we need, God. Most importantly, from you, just pull, pull out of this sin so we can live a life again that honors you. And I ask God, if we are living a life that honors you, that we set up boundaries in our life, guardrails in our life, to keep us in that path. And then we get off that path, God, and we get back on the path quickly, knowing that that's the only path of life, of true fulfillment and joy, God. And we know when we honor you and put you first in our life, God, everything else we do becomes blessed because of that. And I turn on Please let us love you and honor you in all we do, God. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm going to call the video here.